Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We're talking about truth, like the foundation and pathway to all freedom, which it's a huge, huge topic. And, um, you know, it's like we said last week, I think we got to understand that truth, even though sometimes it cuts, even though it's sometimes not always what we want to hear, truth is really God's love for us. He cares so much, and he wants to bless us, and he wants to protect us. And it's really the truth, like it says, is that sets us free. And, you know, he tells us over and over to love the truth, buy the truth, get the truth, stand by the truth, because truth is really our defense. And I love the one song that we sing. He says... My one defense is your righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. You know, that kind of explains what the truth is all about. Because as sure as we're here, the enemy is going to come and attack, condemn, try to put shame, try to put guilt. And I love that song. My one defense is your righteousness. When he's pointing his finger, when he's accusing, no. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's our defense. And that's good enough. Um, You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, as it talks about this, it says that we have to strive to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, our mind wanders off and we start thinking about things that are not lined up right. And I just want to encourage you, if you got questions, I'm going to try to stop on time and make sure you got, uh, so if you got any questions, just remember them. But it's a challenge to keep our thoughts lined up with the truth of God's word. Like I ask myself sometimes, what are you thinking? You know, because first of all, first something happens and pretty soon, you, you know, you're thinking things that, no, that's not the solution. And, um, you know, in Psalms, he says, David says, he says, you know my thoughts afar off. And I think we all realize that what we focus on, we magnify. The more you think about this way or this way, whichever it is, it gets bigger. You get more upset or more discouraged or more frustrated or you get more loving, more kind. And it's really a challenge to think according to God's word, because we go in the direction of our predominant thoughts. I mean, if you think negatively, critically, it leads you that way. Or if you think positively, encouraging, loving, you tend to go that direction. And, um, you know, the Bible says that for the word of God or the word of truth is alive and powerful, It's sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joints and marrow, and exposes or examines our innermost thoughts and desires. See, it exposes, even it says, the intentions or the motives of your heart. Now, nothing except the Word of God and His Spirit can get that deep. We can even fool ourselves sometimes. But it's with the Word of God, when you read the Word of God... What does the Word of God do? It tells you the truth. It convicts you. It exposes. It examines. You know, and in, in the message it says, God means what he says. What he says goes. He says his powerful word 
is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. I mean, that's quite a vivid picture. You know, the surgeon's scalpel, it's like it cuts and it exposes my heart. How many times haven't you read God's word and all of a sudden there's that nudge, there's that voice, there's that conviction. You know, the lights go on and uh, you think, wow. And that's what David says. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, and like you, you might say like, well, how do I get all this word in me? Well, the word, the word getting in us is by memorizing, by studying, by reading. But an art that the Bible talks about a lot is something that we don't talk about. And it says it's, it's about meditating. And, you know, in, in Psalms, in Psalm 1, it says, you meditate day and night on, on his word. And he says, what are you like? You're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You bear fruit. Um, you know, and everything that that person does prospers. That's a tremendous picture. See, when you meditate on the word of God, when you hold the word of God as your standard, it produces life. It feeds you. And it causes you to prosper because it helps you to make the right decision. And that's why meditating on the word of God, when you're under attack or when something is going on, what do you do? You focus on the word of God. You come with a scripture that specifically is a promise to combat the lie or the attack. And when you do that, faith rises. You begin to think right. You agree with God's word. And there's many, many verses that says that his promises are yes and amen. He hastens to pervert, perform his word. He will do what it says. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Hath he not said it, will he not do it? You know, it's like some of these things, it's like even when you pray, it's like, okay, God, I'm just praying what you said. And when you pray according to what God's word says, uh, you're on pretty good ground. And you know, the word is alive, it's living, it produces life. It's amazing how you can read the very same scripture and all of a sudden, God speaks to you. God, there's life in his word. Um, you know, the Bible says, you have been taught the Bible or the scripture from childhood. You know, Paul's writing to Timothy here. And they have been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in God. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach faith or teach us what's to true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. The, the word of God is so amazing. Um, you know, in the message, it says, it's a it says it a little different. He says, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, it exposes our rebellion, it corrects our mistakes, and it trains us to live God's way. There's nothing like the Word of God. Because we got to realize, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, He was with God, and the Word is God. So I mean, when we talk about the word of God, it's not just some 
black ink on a piece of paper. It's so much more than that. Um, you know, it's like this scripture says. It teaches us faith or it shows us truth. It corrects error. I mean, a little more confrontational is it exposes our rebellion. Maybe none of you are rebellious, but once in a while, <laughs> the old flesh wants to be rebellious, you know what? Don't tell me what to do. I got a better idea. I'm going to do, you know. You probably never have that, but, you know, it, it says, it says, resets the direction of a man's life. It corrects our mistake. It says it trains him in good living. It trains us to live God's way. And the last part, it says, it's the comprehensive equipment. By his word, we're put together and shaped up for God's task. You know, in the King James, it says, all scripture is given for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and it thoroughly furnishes you for all good works. You know, any job that you're going to do, what do you need? You need the tools. You need equipment. You need a study. Or maybe you need whatever tool you need. And that's what the Word of God is. And that's why it's so important that we know the Word of God. You know, because when, when you're facing the situation, sometimes it's too late to try to find something. But when you immediately, you know a promise, you know a word, you know what God says, it helps you to be equipped at that moment, you know, to stand. And Paul, he says, he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel of the good news of Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from the start to the finish by faith. As the scripture says, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, the sky, through everything God has made very clear so that we can see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And he says, they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's a tremendous scripture, you know what? And I mean, how many times don't we see people intentionally going against what's true, what's right? And it says, like, they suppress the truth. They push it down. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to surrender to it. Don't want to admit that that's true. I want to do what I want to do. And that's why over and over, truth is a lordship issue. Truth is about how much I love God. Truth is do I love God and the truth more than myself. And that is where the rubber meets the road. It's will we surrender I mean, it is a constant process. I've been saved since 1973. God's still working on me. He never quits working because he's changing us. And he says, make them holy or sanctify them by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. You know, he saves us. And then 
The big job begins to renew us, to clean us up, to make us a new person, that his life would be formed in me, that I would be a reflection of who he is, that I'm not just, you know, the moment you accept Christ, you're saved. But that process of getting your life to line up with your position, uh, that's a, that, that, that goes till the end of your life. You know, God's plan is to wash us by cleansing us with his word. You know, it's like how many times do you have to wash your hands? I mean, you don't wash your hands once and done. No, you got to wash your hands over and over and over. It's like God working in us. For us to be like him, to reflect his image, to live our lives. You know, the Bible talks a lot about being justified. Then he talks to us about being sanctified. But he really wants us to be glorified. And when we're glorified, we get us to display, to reflect some of who he is as a demonstration of him to others by our lives. I mean, that is an incredible thing. You know, God, God uses us kind of like to show others what it's like. You know, like Paul said, follow after me as I follow after Christ. He was their example. And, you know, people are reading our lives every day. You know, they watch, they observe. And sometimes... Often, what we do speaks as loud or louder than what we say, uh, because everybody can read what you do, and uh, believe me, they do. You know, there was a saying, seeing is believing, but really, seeing is becoming like him. You know, we, we see, we believe, but then, because we see, we become like him. That's really the goal. And in Corinthians, he says, he says, you are our epistle written, you know, with, on your tablet of your heart, not just on some stones. You know, God wants to write his law in our heart, and he wants us to be known and read of all men. Um, you know, we're like advertisements, or we're, we're like billboards. I mean, our lives really are the greatest confirmation of the gospel and what we preach, or they could be the greatest contradiction. You know, because we've all heard it. Oh, so you're a Christian. Oh. <laughs> you know, that, that's, the, that's their favorite pick on you, right? Oh, you're a Christian. Well, we are, but we're not perfect, are we? But we try to demonstrate who he is by what we say and by what we do. You know, in Ephesians, Paul says, a final word. He says, be strong in the Lord, in the might of his power, and put on all of God's armor so that you can able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Sometimes we got to remind ourselves because we think it's the guy or the situation, but no, it's bigger than that. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing. Stand firm on your ground, putting on, number one, the belt of truth. 
Number two, the body armor of God's righteousness. Number three, shoes put on the peace that comes from the gospel of the good news so you'll be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up that shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is truth. He said, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. You know, it's like when you see this, see, truth is both a defensive weapon, but it's also an offensive weapon. I mean, when you take the shield and the sword, which is the best picture of this, I mean, you stop the fiery darts, but you go after the enemy with the sword of the Spirit. He says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. You stand on God's word, and you put on the helmet of salvation, which is all of God's promises, and the belt of truth. I mean, it's a tremendous picture of the armor that God intends for us to have, and really, it's all truth. Every one of those has to do with the truth. Um, you know, the enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. Divide you from God, divide you from the truth, divide you from friends. I mean, every relationship, what's the plan of the enemy? Put an offense, put a hurt, put a wall, put a misunderstanding, do something, divide and conquer. As soon as, he, as, soon as something happens, what do you feel like? Run and hide, don't go to God, keep it to yourself. I mean, constantly, constantly, the enemy tries to separate you from the truth. And it's exactly opposite what we should do. We should run to God. And, you know, and he does this by lying to us. All sin is a lie. And all sin has a control factor to it. Every sin has to do with bondage, with controlling you, with manipulating you. And, um, you know, James, James, he says, you know, he says, remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me. God never tempts anybody. You know, the, you know, the, the, the compromising thing is, is that he is trying to compromise, get us to compromise the truth on any situation. You know, that's how he tempts you. Compromise the truth. Satisfy the flesh. Believe a lie. Don't surrender. Um, there are so many ways. And the cool thing is, it says Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. He knows. He understands. He can relate. He knows exactly. You know, it says that he's touched even by the feelings of our weakness, of our infirmity. When you cry out to God when you're being tempted, he understands. He knows. He was tempted, it says, every way. And, um, you know, John, he says, uh, this is the message that we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him. So we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
And then this tremendous promise. He says, but if you're living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with, with each other, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sins. You know, how many would you say, you know, like Jesus, he said, who is my brother and sister? Those that do the will of the Father. See, sometimes our relationship with a brother in Christ can be closer than our own natural brother or sister who's not serving God, right? See, because what fellowship does light have with darkness? You know, when, when you love God and the next person love God, there's an immediate connection. We're part of the family of God. There's a connection. There's a relationship. You have fellowship. And when you walk in that light, God uses that relationship to encourage you, to challenge you, and he sets you free. Um, he says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave of sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to freedom or righteous living. Um, truth is so much more than just some facts. You know, a fact is true. That's natural. Truth is spiritual. That's a revelation. And, um, you know, faith that works by love, because truth is infinite. It comes from God himself. You know, the Bible or his word is the truth. The facts are the same. You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in church, went to Christian school, studied Reformed doctrine, and I knew the Bible pretty good. But it was mostly words or religion or something that you should do on Sunday. When I got really born again and filled with the Spirit, the truth that I knew all of a sudden came to light. It was completely different. It was not just do's and don'ts or, you know, legalism or religion or whatever you might call it. And I'm sure a lot of you have experienced that, you know, when the truth becomes a force in your life that leads you, that guides you, that encourages you, that protects you. Um, see, the Holy Spirit always leads you and points you to Jesus, who is the truth, who is the word. It testifies of him. And it says he is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And that's why it's so important to have not only the word, not only the spirit, but the word and the spirit are called the two witnesses. And, you know, the letter kills, the spirit gives life. All word, legalism. All spirit, you could uh, run amok, you know, because there's no boundaries. The, the truth is a tremendous, tremendous force. You know, and it even says that when we get the Holy Spirit, what does it say? It says it's the guarantee. It's the down payment. It's the surety of the inheritance of the promises that God's going to give us. And his spirit always witnesses with our spirit, it's true. Like, it, it's almost unexplainable how you know that you know that you know uh, certain things that are true. It's, it's beyond, you know, your natural mind. It's, it's supernatural. It's like, how do you know that you're saved? 
When you're saved, you know that you're saved, right? When you know what's right from wrong, only God, you know, because he is the author of truth, and he is the truth, and that is a spiritual dimension, and it really, I would say it comes from being born again. It's living in God. And he says, when we tell you these things, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he says, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, he says, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. You know, here's Nicodemus. He comes, I mean, a very intelligent person. And he's talking to Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying things to him like, he don't understand. He says, you got to be born again. He says, what do you mean I got to be born again? He says, must I enter the second time into my mother's womb? No, 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 no. No, he says, you have to be born of the water in order to even see the kingdom. And you have to be born of the spirit to be able to enter the kingdom. See, the truth is, is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, which is natural. He's, he's comparing natural birth and the spirit, which is supernatural. You know, in John 3, 6, he says it a different way. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. I mean, there's so many things that we know that we don't even realize. That's spiritual. That's truth. That's as a result of your relationship with God. That's God's spirit leading, ordering, directing, convicting, guiding, uh, constantly at work. The spirit of God in us is speaking to us. And the challenge is, is to yield, to surrender, to trust that the truth is the truth and it's the right thing to do every time. You know, we, sometimes our old nature doubts or challenges but that's why God's spirit bears witness that you know, that you know, that you know that that's right. What God said is true. And that is just incredible. And, you know, Satan, he is a deceiver. He is a liar. And it's so important to have the truth in order to defend yourself. You know, that's why deception is so hard to deal with. Because a person that's deceived is deceived and doesn't know the truth from what they're believing. And maybe we've all been deceived sometimes, you know. But, you know, when you're believing something that isn't true and you think you know how to find the place, but really the truth is, is you don't have a clue, you're not going to get there. And to admit that, you know what, we better stop and ask directions. Sometimes that's hard to admit. You know, or like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm trying to make believe or fake it, but I don't really know the truth. And, and that is the deal. You got to know the truth. And you got to do the truth. Um, you know, it, it blinds you from the truth. And it says that they were given over to deception. He said, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their, by their wickedness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in, right, in unrighteousness. You can see that in the news every last day. I mean, you could read, and I don't want to get into the news and political, but they are trying to push agendas 
that are so contrary to the truth and they're trying to make you believe that that's politically correct or that's, you know, on and on, which we all know, but they are trying to suppress the truth because, you know, an, a, a person that's rebellious is at, at war with the truth because they don't want to surrender to the truth. They don't want to submit to the truth. They want to do what they want to do their way. And I mean, it's in legislature, it's everywhere. And in Romans 1, there's this picture of rebellion, or you could say man's pride. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desires. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. If that is not a picture of what's going on today, I mean, here it is in Romans 1. You know, they exchange the truth for a lie. And at some point, they, they almost like they go over the edge where they cannot see the truth because they're so rebellious. And that's why truth for each one of us is a lordship issue. And that's why the Bible tells us, you know, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. And we resist with the truth. We resist with the word. We resist by it is written. You know, they defeated him. We hear it over and over, Pastor Dwayne. Well, how do we win? They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, you know, in John, Pilate, he says to Jesus, he says, so you're king? You know, it's like, it's horrible, the whole story. But Jesus responded, yeah, you say I'm king? Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. You cannot deny the Spirit of God at work in each one of us constantly leading us to the truth, constantly speaking truth, constantly sanctifying, washing, convicting, constantly. When you read God's word, if you are at all surrendered, that's what he's doing. He's trying ever so surely to get us to line up with the truth. Why? Because he loves us. Because he wants to bless us. Because he wants what's best for us. And I have to tell myself that over and over. I love your truth. I love, God, what you say. And, um, you know, he says, in Peter, he says, Therefore, I will remind them of these things, even though they've already known them, and they're standing firm on the truth as they have been taught. I will remind them again. You know, we belong to the truth by being born again. But we got to humble ourselves. We got to be teachable. We got to be broken. We got to love and be hungry for the truth. 
And, you know, you do that a lot of ways, even by having accountability partners, by friends, by opening our lives to others to say, if you see me doing anything wrong, tell me. And, you know, I have a few friends that I've said, please, help me, watch me, talk to me, because I know they love me. I know they care. You know, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, it's so much better if you open your heart to allow somebody to have the privilege of speaking into your life than somebody trying to break that door open. Uh, it's relationship, it's trust, it's love that allows somebody else to speak the truth into your life. And I would say, after saying all of this, you know, we all need to judge ourselves. And really the acid test of truth is our love for God and our love for others. That's the bottom line. You know, if you want to sum it all up, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two promises hangs everything that we've been talking about. That's the bottom line. It's love. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anybody that does not love does not know God, for God is love. If somebody says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, the, person's a, the person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we haven't seen? You know, John, he says, loving God means keeping his commandments. That's, that's the bottom line. It says, if you say that you love God and you don't keep his commandments, something don't stack up here. Love is the greatest force. There is no greater force than God's love. God's love sent his son on the cross to die for our sins. And we, it says that we ought to lay down our life for each other just like that. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. You know, love compels, motivates, enables. It gets you to do what nothing else can do. Why do you do what's right? Because you love God. You love the truth. That is the most tremendous thing. You know, in Second John, he says, Grace, mercy, and peace, which come from the God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, will continue to be with us as long as we live in the truth and the love. You know, the other night I was reading my devotions, and I was reading in 1 John, and in the second chapter and in the third chapter, it's an incredible thing, you know, like, oh, John, he's like writing to his friends, his church, the people that he's given his life to, and he's almost like saying, Okay, guys, I'm about ready to pass on, but I want to write you this letter, and I want to remind you of a few things. But then in the middle of both of these books, he says, in my words, he says, you couldn't make me more happy than that I hear from others that you're living in the truth and love. You know, if one of your kids, 
If that's what you heard about him, I'd be about as happy as you could be. That's about my greatest thing that one of any of our kids could do is that you live in love and in the truth. You know, after Solomon, he writes everything he writes, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and he sums it up. He says, this is the whole duty of man. He says, fear God, keep his commandments. In one verse, he's basically saying everything that he said. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's about as simple as you can get it. Love God. Love the truth. That's it. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.